<laughs> there we go. Da, 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 da. There we go. Um, we have a couple of people that have made a decision uh, to not only serve the Lord, but to also uh, follow Jesus' example and the Scripture's command to be baptized. And I'm going to direct our thoughts, first of all, to uh, the Scriptures, and I want to share a message from uh, a continuation, actually, of the I'm In series. For the last two months almost, we have been sharing messages on this theme, I'm In. And we've kind of done a play on the word in. Uh, I'm influential, I'm invested, I'm invaluable, uh, things like that. Today, I want to direct our attention to uh, Acts chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles... You know who you are. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Uh, today we're going to share on the subject, I'm instrumental. I'm instrumental. You're thinking, how many sermon titles does he have that start with I-N-O? I could do 52. Uh, <laughs> it would get a little silly, but I could. Uh, I'm instrumental. We're, we're going to take a look at a, uh, a man who was used by the Lord by the name of Philip. Uh, Philip was one of the seven deacons that were appointed in Acts chapter 6. He became a primary figure in the church. And we start reading about Philip in Acts chapter 8, and he's doing a lot of amazing things in a place called Samaria, and God's using him mightily. But it's after this moment that, that Philip is used mightily by the Lord that we come upon this moment here. And see, a lot of us, we probably can't relate to having a big crusade where we're speaking and people are coming out to hear what we have to say. And, and, and chances are 95% of the people in here, if not more, uh, you may never have that, that opportunity. But this opportunity that I want to share with you, this one we can all relate to from the book of Acts, chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Because Philip comes from having this major work that is, has taken place through him to now it's just him one-on-one -on -one with one individual. And I want to share that with you here today. So if you're able to, why don't you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this together. We're in the book of Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. And we're going to go to verse 40. Okay? Y'all ready? Say amen if you're ready. Say amen if you're not ready. Okay, great. Good. It's a mixed bag here today, folks. Here we go. Okay, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. 
How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now that's a good service. <laughs> Let's pray. God, would you speak to us through your word? You always do. You always do. That's your intent. No matter who we are, no matter what our background is, no matter what our situation is, Lord, it's your desire to speak to every person here today. So God, I ask you that you right now would begin to move in our hearts. May we receive from you what we need to receive. And God, I'll thank you for all that's done. Be with us now in your name. And we all said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So again, at the beginning of chapter 8, Philip is having just this incredible impact on all of the region. I mean, incredible stuff has gone on. But now, Philip finds himself one-on-one making a difference in the life of one person. Now hear me today. I'll say it again. A lot of us probably cannot relate to the idea of preaching before thousands of people and having thousands of people respond to what we have to say. But here's what we can relate to. We could relate to being instrumental in the life of one person and influencing them for Jesus Christ. And that's my challenge for everybody here this morning as we look at the scripture. See, hear me. It is God's will. Okay, this isn't just me talking. It is God's will for every follower of Jesus to be instrumental in impacting someone and someone's life for him. And that includes you. Well, pastor, I can't preach. I said nothing about preaching. Well, pastor, I can't sing. I, I, I said nothing about singing. Pastor, I don't have a platform. I said nothing about having a platform. Do you remember what we said a few weeks ago? Maybe you don't, but being instrumental in someone's life doesn't start with a platform. It starts with people. It starts with caring about people. You don't have to have a gazillion Instagram followers to have an influence on somebody. All you need to do, all you need to do 
is care about one. We care about people. So with that in mind today, I would like to take a look at the story and let's see what's required for this to happen, okay? If, if, if we're going to make a difference in people's lives, if we're going to be instrumental, again, I'm not asking you to be instrumental to the entire city of Akron. Can you be instrumental to one person? And if that's going to happen, then let me break this passage down a little bit so you can see what's involved here. Number one, let's take a look at what I call the charge. The charge. God gave a charge, a command, a direction to Philip for him to follow. Take a look at it again, starting in verse 26. It says this. Now an angel, sorry if the font's kind of small. Uh, now, I'm 55 now, so I'm aware of these things. Now, an angel of the Lord said, <laughs> I'm not lying. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandeki, which basically means he was a treasurer for the queen. Okay, so this, this guy, this guy is in a, turns out to be a pretty influential person. Okay, uh, verse 28. On his way home, he was sitting in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, there are some things about this passage on the screen that I have to point out here. Okay, so you need to understand. That the key, the key to this Ethiopian official seeing his life changed was not hearing a great sermon with all of his points starting in the same letter, like they should. But, <laughs> but you, you know what, what? It was obedience. It was it was obedience. Philip was instrumental in this man's life, not because he preached a message, but because he was obedient to what God told him to do. Marty, go back to that slide with the scripture on it again. I, I want to point a couple things out here. See, verse 26, and you've got to understand, okay, Philip is in the throes of this revival taking place in Samaria, and God's using Philip to get it done. And so now God is saying, okay, I want to take you away from the hotbed, what's going on, and I want to direct you to nowhere. I want you to go to a desert road. <laughs> I don't want you to go to another crowd. I'd like to direct you, Philip, to a desert road. Okay, I want you to think what preacher Philip is thinking. I know what this preacher, Philip, would be thinking. Why are you having me leave this? I'm seeing success here. I'm seeing great things here. And now you want me to go in the desert? I mean, that's my flesh talking. But Philip was able to kind of defeat the flesh, and he said, okay, God, whatever you're telling me to do, whatever you're leading me to do, I'm going to follow your direction. Scripture says he comes up and he sees this chariot on his way. As he's on this desert road, he sees this chariot and there's this official who's reading the scripture and he's reading out loud. 
it was actually a custom back then to read out loud. How many of you are thankful that is no longer a custom? Okay. And those of you who do that, like when you're reading the pump, when you're pumping gas, stop it, would you? It just, I just want to squirt gas. Anyway, so, so here we are. He sees this official and, and, and then the Holy Spirit says, okay, now that you're on this desert road, I want you to go to that chariot. Now, here's what I appreciate about Philip. Philip didn't say, hmm, boy, the Spirit's been working on me. I'm really thinking about this. I'm going to have to give this some thought here. I'm going to have to pray about it. Yeah. You know, you get real serious when you go, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should go to that chariot. Maybe I shouldn't. That wasn't Paul's response. Uh, Philip's response. Philip ran. Don't miss this. He obeyed God immediately. Philip was instrumental because he was quick to obey God. Do you know where that comes from? That comes from relationship. Relationship with God. See, I have learned that the more I am in relationship with somebody, the closer I get to somebody, the easier it is for me to recognize their voice. In fact, my voice, uh, well, let me back up. My mom's voice, when I was a kid, would stand out amongst a group of people easily usually followed by the fear of God. <laughs> but you could have like dozens of people that are talking and dozens of people that are milling around, but, but all of a sudden I'd hear my mom. It's like, oh, straighten up. <laughs> and all three Anderson boys would do the same. It's like, oh, okay, who's going to die today? <laughs> Where's I come from? That, that comes from relationship. See, the closer we get to God, the more we recognize His voice. And no, it's not fearful. You know, oh, He's going to get me. But we start to recognize these moments, like Philip had, where he says, I want you to do this. I want you to go there. There's a person in a chariot who's reading the book of Isaiah. He has no idea what he's reading. I want you to go over there. And Philip ran. Philip was instrumental. Not because he preached a sermon, but because he was obedient. I'm looking at a bunch of people saying, how can, about, how can I be instrumental in, in someone's life? I have nothing to offer. No, 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 no. You don't understand. All you have to do is be available and obedient to what God calls you to do. And that leads us to number two. First of all, we had the charge by God. Go here, do this. Philip obeyed. So far, so good. Secondly, let's look at the chariot. God gave this charge to Philip to to, uh, take a different direction. But now... We find the ultimate goal here, and that is a chariot. Now, again, let's read this, starting in verse 29. Again, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. 
Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. And how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear of silence, so he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who could speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Who was the prophet talking about? Do we know? Jesus. And Philip began with that very passage and told him the good news about Jesus. I love this. I've, I've been around God long enough to realize that with God, there's no such thing as a coincidence. God never says, whoops, or looky there. God is deliberate in where he directs us. God had Philip at the right place, at the right time, to do the right thing. Now, God did not tell Philip, hey, you're going to lead this eunuch to the Lord. God didn't get that far. God said, just go near the chariot. Go near the chariot and take it from there. See, I think a lot of us are not understanding what our chariot is. What chariot, what is the chariot that God is leading you to? And I will tell you, if I can use this terminology, your chariot awaits. Man, I've been dying to say that all morning long. That was almost the title, but I'm on this IN thing. But, but what is your chariot? Students, could it be that your chariot is the campus that God's led you to? Mom and dad, maybe the workplace that God has brought you to? Do you think you're there just to make a, a paycheck? Or could it be that God has led you to that place of work because there's somebody whom God would like you to be instrumental in in seeing their life totally changed? Maybe for you, your chariot is your neighborhood. And you look at your neighbors and you think, oh, man, these people, uh, you know, they, this one doesn't mow his grass. <laughs> they probably say that about me. And, uh, or, you know, this, one, this one's loud. And, but you know what? God put you in that neighborhood. God put you in that apartment complex. God put you in that place for a reason. That's your chariot. Maybe for you, your, your chariot is the circle of friends that you have. Or maybe it's the online connections that you have uh, on what medium, whatever you use. God has brought these people to you. God has put you in that place. God has brought you to be near that chariot. Why? Because he has you 
at the right place, at the right time, to do the right thing. You are at that job to be at the right place, at the right time, to do the right thing. You're on that campus, student, to be on that campus at the right place, at the right time, to do the right thing. Are you hearing me today? There are no accidents with the Lord. God has brought you to that place. And he's very deliberate about it. And I would be remiss if I did not emphasize what Philip shared with the eunuch. He shared the good news of Jesus. What is that good news? That Jesus would take all your problems away? No, <laughs> that, that would be untruthful. Here's the good news. I was a sinner, and I cannot save myself. No matter what I try to do, no matter how many good things I try to do, there is never enough good things that I can do to outweigh the penalty for my sin. And Jesus saw all of mankind who was lost in their sin. And Jesus said, rather than they paying the price for their sin, I will pay the price for their sin. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. We've come short of the glory of God. And the wages are what we deserve of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, the good news is this. Jesus went to the cross, died the death that I deserve, died in my place so that Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 would come alive and say, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead, I will be saved Verse 13 says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, I offer that good news to anybody here who may need to hear that today. The Lord will, can and will save you if you just ask him to do so. How many of you are glad today that Jesus has saved you? Amen. Number three, got to hurry. I want to point out the change that took place in this man's life. We've seen the charge, we've seen the chariot, and now take a look at the change that took place in this man's life. Let's start in verse 36. It says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now we're coming to the part of the story where that's the reason why we have this tank here today. Those of you who are guests today, we normally don't have a jacuzzi at our altar. <laughs> Although the worship team suggested this might be a great, like, seat to auction off on a Sunday, you know, just fire up the bubbles and say, amen. But, uh, but we won't do that. Uh, we're using this tank here uh, for baptism, water baptism today. And I thought it would be wise for us to take a look and make sure we know what baptism is all about. 
First of all, let me tell you what water baptism is not. Okay? Water baptism is not, water baptism is not salvation. This is not necessary for a person to be saved. Nowhere in the scripture do we see that. Uh, water baptism is not identification with a church. Oh, you're baptized, so now you're a Bethel church person. No, that's not why we baptize. If that's the only reason you're getting baptized, you're just going to get wet. Uh, nor is water baptism a mere ritual. Uh, it's more, much more than just a ritual that we do in a church. Let me tell you what water baptism is. Water baptism is an act of obedience, first of all. Jesus himself was baptized before he started his earthly ministry. And we're told all throughout Scripture that water baptism goes in tandem with our decision to serve Jesus Christ. In fact, it's an important part of our spiritual maturity. It's part of our discipleship. What you're going to see here as I, uh, as I dip a couple of people in the water and they come out, that is actually a very dramatic portrayal outward of what happens inward. See, we go down into the water, and what we're saying is that our sins are dead with Jesus. We come out of the water, and we say, now I'm walking in brand new life. In Jesus Christ. Dare I say that this is typically the first opportunity for someone to witness and testify about their faith is water baptism. That's what this is all about. So you don't get saved because you go into the water. This comes after a person is saved. Now take a look at this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus gave this instruction to his disciples. In fact, I mentioned this yesterday at a, at a service. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in, and look what I underlined, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Because here's what we're proclaiming. We're saying this, there is no life without God the Father. There is no salvation without God the Son. And there's no power without God the Holy Spirit. So these three elements are very important when we're baptizing because what we're saying is that when I come out of the water, I am walking in brand new life with God. I am recognizing that I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will try to live this thing out. Now, let me tell you about this. I have never baptized a perfect person, ever. So we're not waiting for someone to get cleaned up spiritually. You know, I've baptized some people that had some things to work out. And you know what? That's awesome. Because we're not proclaiming that we're perfect. We're proclaiming that the perfect one has saved us. And by his power, we're going to live this thing out for him. That's what we're doing. Are you hearing me today?
And so the change, this is representative of a change that we are trying to make. When we come out of the water, we're going to walk this thing out. We're going to live this thing out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're not going to get it right. Sometimes we're going to mess up. Sometimes we're going to make mistakes. But thanks to God that we can go to him, confess our sins to him. He is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We walk in the newness of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. That was the change that took place in the eunuch's life. It all started with Philip being instrumental enough to be obedient to what God wanted him to do. So here's my challenge to every one of us. That's the last one, the challenge. (laughs) Now, This moment takes an unexpected turn. Okay? Look at verse 39 and 40. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Now, wouldn't that be wild? As I'm baptizing Amy, as I bring her up, I'm gone. I'm in Myrtle Beach somewhere golfing. (laughs) She's like, where'd he go? But Philip didn't vanish into nothingness. God actually led him. I want you to catch this. It was through supernatural means, but God led him elsewhere. Philip appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip has had quite the experience. God's used him at the beginning of chapter 8 to reach all of Samaria. God is using Philip to be instrumental to preach the good news of Jesus to a very high-ranking official in the court of Ethiopia. God uses Philip to baptize him. You might think that, wow, let's take a break. That's a lot. But God wasn't finished with Philip. I'm looking at a lot of people here. You've been instrumental in someone's life in the past. God's not done with you yet. If you've reached one, you could reach another. God didn't send Philip away to go on vacation. God sent Philip away to Azotus. And I got to be honest with you, if there's a story in the scripture, I would have liked to kind of like watch. It's like, whoa, he's gone. But God placed him in a different place, miles away. And what did Philip do? He preached everywhere he went. He said, I'm going to be instrumental everywhere I go, every place that God leads me, every place that God takes me, I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. Here's my challenge to you, friend. Your chariot. God has put that chariot in your path for a reason. And God's not finished with you. You you may not be the one that leads someone to the Lord, but maybe you can be the one that can finally listen to that person for the first time in a while. Maybe you can be the one that could just 
be there. Maybe you can be the one that can encourage them and nudge them a little closer to Jesus. Or maybe you can be the one that can straight up say, look, I don't even have all this figured out, but here's what I know. God's changed my life and he could change yours. Pray with me. That could be just as powerful as the sermon that I just gave you. Well, (laughs) just kidding. God's not done with you yet. You are instrumental. What is your chariot? Where is your chariot? Who is sitting in your chariot? Because your chariot does await. And God is leading you to that chariot to be instrumental in someone's life. And who knows? It could actually change not only one person's life, but maybe it could actually have an impact on a lot of other people. Because you were obedient. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I ask you now that your Holy Spirit would be with the remainder of this time that we're together. God, we're about to see a couple people here obey your words, command, and actually, Jesus, your own example of being baptized in water. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, as they come out of the water, Lord God, that they would know that they could walk this thing out. They may not always be perfect, but God, you're there with them in the good and the bad. But Jesus, I also pray for those of us who we have a chariot in front of us. I pray, Lord God, that you would make us obedient to your leading. God, you placed that chariot there for a reason. You placed those people there for a reason. You put us in that workplace, that neighborhood, that campus. You put us in that circle of friends for a reason. I pray, God, that we would be instrumental in bringing them closer to you. Make us receptive to your voice. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and please, no one looking around, I just wonder today, is there anybody here today? You've heard the good news just like the man from Ethiopia heard. You've heard that Jesus died for you, that all you need to do is make him your Lord and your Savior. And you'll say, you know what, Pastor? I'm not in a right relationship with him today. I need to make that decision. Maybe you've made it before and you've fallen away from God. And today is the day that you want to give your life back completely to Jesus. I will not embarrass you, I promise you. But I want to pray for you. And I want you to know that God is here. And you're here not by accident, not by coincidence. But God has brought you to this point for you to respond. And you'll say, Pastor, I need to give my life completely to Jesus Christ. I need him to change my life. If that's you, could you merely just slip your hand up and put it right back down? I want to pray for you today that God would do just that. Anyone at all? Thank you. Is there anyone else? I need to give my life completely to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus, we pray. We pray this prayer. And church, why don't you pray this prayer with me? As I want you to repeat it with me. Can you do it? Dear Jesus, I ask you, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life. Become my Lord and my Savior. 
I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that you're risen from the dead. So I ask you, forgive me of all my sins and help me to live for you every single day. And God, I thank you in your name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Can we give God praise in his sanctuary today?